On today's episode of Nexter Presents, Grant talks to Gavin McDougall from Landscape Effects Group in Windsor. Gavin is responsible for their Service Partners program, which has grown to over 500 subcontractors across the country. Gavin shares his experience in the industry and his insights into the subcontractor service model. So here's Grant's conversation with Gavin McDougall. Today on the podcast, we have Gavin from Landscape Effects, and i uh, just like to welcome you. Thank you for coming. Grant, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, so Gavin, just kind of tell us how you got involved in the landscape industry. Uh, my start in landscape industry goes back to uh, 2009. My background has always been in uh, uh, marketing and sales, uh, I guess with a splash of uh, media, uh, being involved in uh, advertising genres, publishing genres, and... Um, at the time, I had uh, gotten into automotive uh, early 2000s and then had transitioned back into media. And uh, that's when I uh, met a gentleman named Paul St. Pierre, who's the president and owner of uh, the company I work with. Paul and I knew each other through a mutual friend, and uh, he had some opportunities that he needed some help with. And uh, we met on one innocent night in 2009 in August. And uh, Splashed a bunch of ideas across uh, three or four napkins at the uh, place we were at, and uh, before you knew it, uh, had joined up with him. Got my start uh, just in our local Windsor market, uh, helping Paul uh, increase uh, what we called home sales, generally on the, the winter maintenance side. Then we had an opportunity to um, sort of spin out a whole a different avenue of uh, the business that uh, Paul had been presented with this opportunity and uh, things just kind of took off from there. We, uh, we had some business with um, a couple of large clients and um, you know, we needed someone to run that part of the, of the business. And while Paul was focused on the, uh, the home elements of uh, landscape design construction uh, and winter maintenance and landscape maintenance on the home front, um, he gave me the opportunity to, uh, run what we were starting to do outside of our um, sort of local geographic area and, and work with these clients who had sites across uh, most of Southern Ontario up through the, you know, greater Toronto area. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I basically worked with uh, a, a network of uh, service partner subcontractors and uh, uh, managed uh, the work they were doing. And I kind of went from, uh, you know, not really knowing much about landscape uh, maintenance and property management, exterior property management in that regard, uh, to um, sort of having a quick baptism by fire. I learned a lot from Paul the first couple months there, 2009 or 2010. And then it was just more of, um, you know, uh, growing that. And as, uh, as that part of our business has grown, you know, working with uh, you know, team members that we brought on board. And, uh, you know, managing the work of our clients and then managing the people working with me and allowing them to do what they do, um, working in conjunction with our uh, service partners. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a great ride the last uh, 10 years. Um, has, the, has your service partner been a big part of the landscape effects uh, companies? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, based outside of... Uh, you know, based in southwestern Ontario and, and what we do with our with our own assets, with our own equipment, our own people, um, and the projects we do, whether through, uh, you know, design and construction or, or maintenance, be it in the winter or, or summer months, you know, we're relying on our own people and our own assets, whereas uh, the, 
the scope and breadth of work we do uh, across Ontario and now across uh, Canada from BC to the Maritimes, um, you know, is engaged primarily with a, with a, a subcontractor service model. So, um, you know, the whole process of, of uh, recruiting and securing uh, quality service partners is, um, you know, very, uh, it's the very lifeline of, of our success to be able to service the large number of sites we do across uh, Canada. So the one thing why we wanted to have you on the podcast is to kind of see that this model that you guys have created is, uh, is, is quite dominant in the, in the States, but not as dominant as in Canada. And I think this, uh, this can help local contractors grow their business. And uh, can you kind of elaborate that? Like how many contractors would you have? What would you need? What does your ideal contractor look like? Um, you know, kind of what are you looking for in these type of things? Do you need more contractors? Um, like, are you always looking for contractors? What is it, you know, if I'm a local contractor thinking, hey, this could be an option for me, what does that look like? I think what we do is is we've, we've followed, um, and, and quite frankly, we've just, we've taken the lead of what our client base or that that uh, sort of niche for us in the in the property management market has done over the last i'd say probably you know 10 15 years where you've got these these larger uh type of uh, uh world-class uh property management companies that are taking over the property management responsibility for a lot of large clients so uh for instance a you know, maybe someone in telecom or utilities, uh, like a hydro company, where in the past they they managed their facilities and their property management uh, from the inside, and they had people, you know, uh, ex um, internally doing that work, have now uh, sourced all that out to whether it's a large property management company, like say, a, you know, a CBRE or a BGIS, and. Um, and then it's the responsibility of those companies to then outfit the service providers, whether in our case, grounds maintenance or uh, custodial or HVAC or any of a number of things. So that model in itself, uh, where they're trying to reduce the number of vendors that they're using uh, globally, you know, ties into what we are, are doing uh, likewise with our service partners. So to answer your questions, if, what kind of service partner are we looking for? We're looking for, obviously, it's got, it has to mirror geographically where the opportunities are for us. So if we're very dense and doing a lot of work in a certain province or a certain area of Ontario, for example, then you know, we're obviously, uh, over the years, have, have targeted our uh, sort of uh, you know, uh, recruiting, uh, securing, you know, vetting, uh, and, and then you know, ramping up service partners in those areas. So, First and foremost, that's the that's the primary objective is to you know find service partners in the areas where we're doing the work. From there, we want to obviously find quality service partners. We want to look for those that, you know, I think you tend to look for those that reflect on your own core values, uh, what kind of company you are, the people you are, and and you obviously gravitate towards uh, those those kind of uh, service providers. So we've uh, in our sort of uh, identification process and recruiting process and and securing service partners you know we do look to find people like what what we're like what we were like maybe you know 15 years ago 20 25 years ago when paul started the company uh i think you tend to to gravitate towards people that you have sort of you know common interests common uh values and then also those that are in a position where they look at a company like us as being sort of a uh, a national sales arm for them, so to speak. So maybe 
uh, some of the work that they don't have access to because the decision is being made at a central location. Uh, you know, they look at five different properties in their local market and they're trying to find out who makes the decision on that, but maybe the decision that's made on those properties comes from, you know, Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal or the case may be. Um, that's where we come in as sort of a uh, liaison for uh, potential service partners like that. I think they appreciate the fact that uh, within that specific uh, market, um, we're able to bring repeated opportunities to them. Um, and they, they see, you know, it as, as a valuable piece of growth for them. And also the fact that, you know, they're doing the work. They don't get bogged down in the, uh, um, you know, the administrative side of things of having to put together large uh, proposals and tender packages and then uh, uh, dealing with a larger property management company where they often have to wait 60 or 90 days to get paid. We're in a position where uh, we have the wherewithal and the ability to, you know, pay them in a 30-day period. And um, so that's that's something that uh, obviously a lot of them uh, certainly appreciate and, and have that interest in doing work with us. Um, so typically are you do these guys get to bid on this work are they given a price like here's a site in uh, southwestern ontario here's the spec for it Um, how does that work like how do as a local contractor do i know how much i get to service the work well i mean it it all goes back to the you know what we've done over the years is is there there have been occasions where we're going into a new market and obviously we're we're approaching that area much like our clients do with us you know you know when our, our clients um, launch an RFP we know it's not just us that they're um, uh, seeking pricing for or a bid submission um, but we also know that over the years as we've developed the, the relationship with our clients um, I think it's just a it's just the you know the nature of the game in any business that as you develop a relationship with the client and ben- and the vendor simultaneous and and it grows there's there's a respect there and there's a um, um, you know a level of confidence and a comfortableness uh, to keep the relationship going and certainly grow it that's happened with us with, with some of our clients where you know we're now we've achieved like preferred partner status with some of our clients where you know if something new comes up they're coming to us first which is certainly uh, a position you like to be in on the flip side to our service partners and our vendors um, you know, what we generally do with them when we have new business opportunities is we'll reach out to them. Uh, obviously, you want to verify that they are you know, interested in continuing to work with you. Um, you give them all the, the scope and the specs and the, the characteristics of the site. There's usually site visits involved. And, and uh, so you'll work, we'll work together with them, our regional managers and our, our, um, our team of uh, uh, liaison folks in our office uh, you know operations and mid people will work with them and with their regional managers to um, you know uh, secure pricing from them make sure they understand the scope of work and what's involved uh, and then generally you know we'll we'll use their their pricing as the foundation for what we in turn will submit to, to our client when we're successful it's our service partners work mm-hmm. and uh, that's kind of been it's a, it's a fairly simple formula you know, I'm not saying there's not opportunities or times where we will put out, you know, maybe more than two or three requests and, and uh, in a sense, almost, you know, stage somewhat of a, a mini tender ourselves within the tender. Uh, but for the most part, we've been fortunate to have, you know, a really great group of service partners. And 
when we started this part of our business uh, in 2009, when I joined up with Paul and, and he had this opportunity, you know, I think we maybe had in the in southwestern Ontario up to Toronto, maybe 60 to 70 uh, service partners that we were working with at the time. And most of them were just, you know, doing one site here, one site there in smaller communities. And, you know, here we are, what, 11 years later, and, you know, we're upwards about 500 now across Canada. So we certainly, you know, um, the integrity and loyalty are certainly one of our core values. And, and we've, uh, we've, we've attempted always to, you know, keep, keep finding more streams of work for those that have been working with us. And, and we want to build those, uh, those relationships, whether it's the service partner, we've some of the service partners we have now we've had since 2009, large majority of them, others that have, uh, uh, joined our team over the last 11 years um, you know that's that's our focus our focus is to is to keep those relationships strong and anyone who joins us we want to do the same thing you know we want to keep creating consistent work for them and opportunities to help their business grow too with a specific uh, niche in the market okay do you see this as a as a growing market that more of this work is going to get tendered through a central location um, that most of the small contractors are not going to be able to get access to? Or do you see this as kind of the, I guess, if this is a little bit of a roller coaster that we had at the peak of it, or is it going to continue to climb in your opinion? I think I, for, you know, for what we look at the last 10 years and, and if you were to trend it and how it's gone, I'd say it's, it's, a, it's a steady growth. Uh, there's a, there's a significant, part of of that level of real estate that is really gravitating towards reducing the number of direct contractors they're working with so in other words it's going more of a general contractor model you know we've got clients like you know home depot or walmart for example where you know, maybe in years past uh the decision was being made more on a store-by-store -store basis and um for, for a number of reasons, uh, certainly on the bid side, you know, liability things, uh, um, these, these larger companies are, are, are centralizing that. And a lot of them then are in turn working with one of the larger um, property management companies that uh, I mentioned, um, and just basically having that third party run the whole process. So I think that um, as these companies, as the BGISs and the CBREs and others uh, of, of the world continue to add clients, um, and then as other larger companies continue to centralize their decision-making process for functions like this, I think that there's it's just going to be sort of a steady growth. You're always still going to have, I mean, you know, I would say when you look at all our service partners, I mean, the vast majority of them, we probably account for five to 10% of their portfolios of their revenue right, of their revenues, because they're, you know, they're, they're based in a, a small Northern Ontario town of 85,000 people and they've been doing work there. They know the people there. So they're, they're still doing the clients they've always done. Um, it's not our intention to ever go in there and start competing with them against that. It would make no sense for us to do that. So it's more of a, it's more just of a supplemental, uh, you know, if we can help them add four or five sites through our clients, uh, they're, they're very happy with that, but you're always going to have your, your, your local markets where those decisions are still being made by the owner operators, uh, that, that own those businesses and own those properties looking ahead. Uh, you know, when we project over the next 10 years and, you know, and, and the, the discussions we have with our clients, uh, it's a model that isn't uh, isn't going anywhere. It's it's been uh, 
you know, certainly in the United States, it's it's gone that way. It's you know what companies like you know the Bright Views of the world, which are uh, have certainly taken advantage of that, being able to operate and across you know the continental U.S. So, you know, in Canada, that's that's kind of where we see things going, and and there's there's just a sort of a commonality of of uh, companies that have uh, physical presences across the country, and they want to centralize, you know, how they how they handle some of these functions. So I think there's um, there's always going to be those opportunities. Okay, so Gavin, I think you have a from I've known you for a little while. You have a great uh, perspective on contractors. Obviously, you have 500 plus contractors you deal with as service partners, and so I'd love to get your feedback and just what you see on a couple of the next questions. So, um, you know, what one piece of advice or two pieces of advice would you give uh, a contractor out there right now in the Canadian market? Uh, in order to succeed? I mean, I guess the, to, to answer that question properly, I, you know, you'd have to put it in the context of where, you know, where that landscape or that owner operator, you know, is in their career, right? I mean, are they starting out? Are they established? Are they, um, to, to me though, it, it comes back to everything. It, it, it comes back to one simple thing. You got to do good work. You have to, uh, you know, obviously, we all want to make a dollar in this business and um, like any business grounds maintenance is, is no, is no different, whether it's winter maintenance, landscape maintenance, landscape design, construction, we're no different And that clients, you know, more and more want more. And it's not that they want to pay less, but they just want to get, they want to maximize their value. Yeah. Um, we all want to maximize our value, whether we're going out for a nice steak dinner or buying a new automobile. Right. And uh, our clients, our clients are no different. So my, my suggestion would be trying to, you know, uh, under deliver to, um, you know, save a dollar. Uh, sometimes maybe, you know, a, a short term benefit to you. Yeah. But in the long term, what does it do to the relationship you have with your clients, whether it's someone you're, you're, you know, building a dream backyard for or um, or, or a, you know, a CBRE of the world where you're doing, uh, you know, a substantial amount of work, or whatever. So I, I would just say, you know, deliver what you're supposed to deliver, obviously try to, you know, exceed that too. And, and just focus on maximizing value, uh, maximizing value will almost certainly lead to retaining and increasing market share and maintaining an increasing market share will lead to a more profitable business. Okay. That's really good that you can do that. Um, so on your personal life, what's uh, one thing, one habit, maybe one book that has had uh, effect um, that you can kind of look back and say, hey, this, because of this wow. book? Or... <laughs> I'd say um, I was a, uh, a business owner operator myself in the, in the media kind of publishing game, um, you know, before these other things, uh, uh, career paths uh, took me to where I'm at today. And and you know it was uh i'm not ashamed i'm actually proud of saying it was a struggle but you know i wouldn't change those uh probably 10 years of my life because they prepared me for everything i've done since there's a book i read at that time where you know you're at your your moments of doubt and what are you doing and you have a young family that's getting older and you're paying everyone else but yourself and i'm sure a lot of uh a lot of the folks listening out there, uh, you know, and, and who are in, you know, the landscape industry can, some of them have had those moments and can appreciate that. But there's a book called uh, The Alchemist, which is a fairly popular book and well-known book that um, uh, really, um, 
really touched uh, a chord with me uh, just because I saw the similarities, the things going on in my life. And, and, you know, basically it's a book about chasing a dream and sometimes discovering that the, you know, the, the dream that you think you're chasing isn't really what, you know, life and happiness is about. And I've just, you know, drew a lot of parallels from that. It's just a book whose themes have kind of, you know, stayed with me over the years. So I, I would certainly say that. Uh, as far as habits that have changed my life, I've, I've just tried to, you know, be a, a, a decent person to my fellow man and colleagues and, and you know, love my family and, and my wife and, and uh, treat people with respect. Uh, and, you know, that, those seem to be some pretty good habits that uh, will do you well. Okay, good. Um, I, most of the guests I have um, are, usually have one person they can look back in their life and say, hey, this person had an impact on, you know, whatever that was, maybe my professional life early on or something like that. Do you have one person in your life that's had an impact? I can't say just one. I got to, I'd probably, I'd probably say um, certainly, you know, my mom and dad um, who, you know, raised me in a way and, and the values that they instilled in me. I mean, that it goes without saying. Uh, and then, of course, my wife, who, um, oddly enough, it was our 31st anniversary yesterday. And, uh, you know, we've known each other for 40 years. And uh, certainly, you know, she's impacted my life since the day I met her. And then probably from a working or business standpoint, career standpoint, um, probably two guys that I've worked for. Uh, I haven't worked other, you know, I own my own business and there's really two people who I quote unquote work for or own the companies I work for. Uh, and that's uh, two local guys, uh, one named uh, Jim Scott, who uh, owns a uh, large um, automotive supply company in the Windsor area and uh, learned a lot from him. One of the most solid human beings I've ever met. And uh, the other would be uh, Paul St. Pierre, who um, is the fellow I'm fortunate to, to work with now and work with his company. And, uh, has uh, taught me a lot and the cool thing is I know I've taught him a lot and to be able to say that about your employer and uh, uh, is, is, a, is a pretty cool thing we got a pretty special relationship and um, you know certainly what we've been able to accomplish the last uh, 11 years is um, pretty amazing and um, you know certainly uh, you know, the opportunities he provided me to, to help him take his company where we're at has been uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for. That's awesome. Good. So we're just taping this um, first of June um, of 2020. We're just kind of coming out of this COVID thing uh, fairly slowly. And uh, we're able to kind of meet together and do this face to face rather than um, over a Zoom call, which is nicer. Um, but I think it just allows us time to reflect on things we're thankful for. So um, what are you thankful for coming out of this time um, or anytime really? Yeah, I, I think I think with the last three months, and you know, we're we're certainly not out of it. As we, as you and I speak here today, and and while things are opening up a little more, you know, we all got to be careful. We all got to be diligent with how we're, you know, living our lives. I think we're you know, everyone's probably a little tired of hearing phrases like the new normal, and but it's the reality of what it is. I think one thing it's done in talking with uh, you know people in my family and, and work colleagues and people at Landscape Effects, it's, there's certainly an appreciation more, I think, for, you know, the simple things. Um, just because the circumstances of us spending more time with our families. So certainly thankful for my family, both, you know, my, the blood family and, and uh, 
and you know your work family appreciate that everyone's safe and and very um sympathetic and respectful for those who um you know who have uh who have either uh you know passed as a result of this or have family members who have or or know someone or you know those who have uh, had the disease and and worked their way through it it's um you know we're all thankful for our health and and um and certainly i'd say you know family work family and 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 friends you're just you know you're you're times like these certainly put things in perspective it did you right so yeah it has been a great opportunity to spend more time with family lots of friends saying i've never made so many homemade meals that's true <laughs> yeah um, and again it's a great time with the family to have yeah. those meals together so a lot of game playing and netflix watching and things yeah. like that yeah for sure well that's good so um so anything other last piece of advice for a canadian contractor out there no i mean i i think you know it's it's um within the context of, of, of what we do and our relationship with our, our service partners and, you know, anyone listening who would think that, you know, they would, they would interested or would like to see the, you know, the kind of model we have and what we're doing. Um, I think at the end of the day, you want to establish what are realistic goals for your company, but also, you know, goals that are challenging and, and that, uh, you know, allow you to, um, uh, you know, uh, realize opportunities and recognize them when they're there, you know, things like scanning your environments and, and knowing, um, you know, what your competition's doing and, 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 and what opportunities are out there and, and just, uh, you know, be, be true to yourself and your people. And, and, uh, you know, it's, um, it's very vogue and, and worthwhile for companies to establish values, but, you know, you have to live them too. And, uh, I think the better, uh, any company, whether it's a, and landscape professional and his or her company um, or, or any any business, uh, the more you adhere to that, the more likely you're going to be successful. No, that's great. That's great wisdom. So um, the one thing we're going to do is we'll put your contact information in the link below on the show notes. So if they are interested in becoming a, becoming a partner with you, they can contact you or we'll put whoever's contact is there um, for that because uh, I'm sure you'd love to hear from oh, absolutely. more contractors. Yeah. No. Um, that are there. So. Yeah, we're, you know, we're operating, we have a physical presence out in the Kelowna, BC now. Um, and, uh, you know, we're servicing our clients now from the Vancouver Island to uh, the most eastern parts of uh, Newfoundland. So we're, uh, yeah, we're um, certainly interested in, in hearing from anyone that, uh, you know, might be interested in uh, doing work with a company like us. Okay. Well, thank you, Gavin, for taking the time to talk to us. And uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, hearing from you again. Thank you, Grant. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nextra Presents. We'd love to hear your thoughts. As we are new to podcasting, we'd love it if you would take a moment to give us a five-star rating and review the podcast. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. If you want to contact us, please visit our website at nextraconsulting.ca.